What's up, PlayStation Universe, and welcome to episode two of PlayStation Fix, your podcast series with Wake Force. And we've got three of our members this week. Mm -hmm. Myself, of course, and yep. Will Robinson. I'm the content producer here. And we've also got returner from the first episode, Kyle Prawl. Thank you. Yep, he's also senior editor. And we got another senior editor and one of our other members of Wake Force who new to the show, Adam Byrne. Newcomer. Hi there. <laughs> Hopefully he'll stick around for more episodes in the future, which I know he will. Oh, I will. I will. All right. Most certainly. <laughs> The point of this podcast series is to talk about the news that you guys want to hear, and we talk about the games that we love. So we're going to jump right into it, kind of continuing off of one of the topics from last week, which still has a lot of buzz, and that's Star Wars Battlefront. There are kind of three big stories that came out. Did everybody get a chance to play the beta? I know Kyle did. Did you, Adam? Oh, I did indeed. I did uh -huh. indeed. All right, what did you think of that? I thought for a minute you said didn't. Oh, I didn't. I did not. <laughs> oh, I, <did>. <laughs> I played it at E3. No, but yeah. Um, yeah, I played it for a bit, for like pretty much on and off for two or three of the days. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. It's very authentic Star Wars. You know, a lot of great sound effects, good mm -hmm. gameplay. I think it was pretty, like it was a pretty bare bones kind of beta. So I didn't get to kind of mess around as much as I'd like to in different like facets of the game. But from just a, like an early impressions standpoint, I actually was pleasantly surprised, happy yeah. with it. Well, well, at this point, that's that's the one thing that is kind of a red flag for me, or at least the, the 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 one thing out of many things I'm positive about that I'm worried about would be uh, the bare bones aspect, because mm. I'm just a little concerned that the game itself is not going to be as content rich as a lot of people think it's going to be, or a lot of people hope it's going to be. Mm -hmm. um, my biggest evidence for that, of course, is how the beta seemed to lay all of its content out in the menu from the get-go. All of it locked, of course, but really with everything laid out, it still didn't look like an impressive array of levels or modes. Um, yeah, so a little concerned there. Um, yeah, I mean, see. it didn't it would be all too easy for EA to lock a lot of levels and uh, modes behind paid DLC. So, and yeah, surprisingly, yeah. So, we weren't the only ones who got to enjoy the beta, obviously, and they even extended it for another day because they yeah, were doing we, pretty well. Yeah, after we were had our fingers crossed for that, it was nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm. So, uh, Dice reported that over nine million players were in the beta, and it's. I just, well, first of all, it seemed kind of weird to me because I had a lot of matches that just weren't full. <laughs> so it's like, that does, <laughs> sure, 9 million plus people that were playing, that doesn't, that just seems kind of odd, but. So yeah, that's it's like one. Su it's, it's not too surprising, I guess. You know, it's, I don't think you need a PlayStation Plus to play it. No. And, yeah, so I can, uh, like, like, the entry Yeah, I mean, like, the volume of people, it was just surprising that, like, I'd have matches that were, like, half full or it'd be, like, two versus eight at some time that some points and it was just I think they they need to work on their match making or their uh, yeah, level, kind of equalizing of teams more in the future but I'm, that's what the uh, whole beta is for that which yeah. well, that, be, that many people it's also true. surprising that it didn't freeze up ever or didn't have any real well it, actually no it was down for a while but I don't know if that was because of traffic I know it went down for a few hours uh, the day before it was extended Mm. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me if just they needed time for server maintenance or yeah, so. whatnot. Yeah, but all things considered, it was a very smooth operation, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I was never booted once. I am with you, Will, though. There was sometimes there was just lulls and like the amount of players in the one match, which kind of like it was weird because you have this like this epic barrage of Star Wars music and like sound effects and then like you kind of be walking for a while and you'd probably see just two or three people on this yeah. huge hoth bit like 
you know, snowy white map. So, yeah, but again, it's a beta. These things are expected. Mm-hmm. And they definitely have kind of addressing Kyle's comments, and I think I kind of share the sentiment too, where it's, it didn't seem like there's as much as people would hope for. Well, people can get that extra content that they want with a new announcement from EA saying that they're going to offer season pass at the low, low price of $50. Well, you know that doesn't address my complaint. <laughs> no. You have to pay for another game, basically. Yeah, $50. That's, on uh, oh, I don't know. It's it's not unexpected, though. I know the fact that it's egregious the way it doesn't have a single player, which I think makes it a, a little harder to swallow, or a lot harder to yeah. swallow. Yeah, and that's and that's one of these things where God, whenever we whenever we hear about a season pass like this, to me it calls to mind how well CD Projekt Red is handling The Witcher Three's life cycle. How we didn't hear, uh, we didn't see hide or hair of of either of the two expansions until a couple months had passed. Then we started to get the first trickle of news, and they really didn't even market the season pass, if I remember correctly, until a month or more after the game came out. So. Yeah. It's, frust- it, it's frustrating to me that we're hearing about it now. It's at least mm-hmm. y- you would think that 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 CDP red would have given us a good example for others to follow. And yeah. So before before we berate the pricing too much, which I kind of feel like it deserves it a little, but we'll we'll say what's in the season pass before we go too mm-hmm. far. So there's going to be four expansions with new locations and content, and releases at a later date after launch. Uh, you get a two-week early access to each expansion, and you get the exclusive, in quotes, shoot first emote. <laughs> so, Excellent. So, so That's cute. That's cute. Like the four... Yeah, I don't... It, they, it's still too early to, for me to... like. Well, first of all, it's that's a really high price, regardless of what your content is, for an add-on for a game. Right, um, right. But... Isn't... They just say four expansions with new locations and content. Yeah, and that's content, that pretty is, much... content is vague enough to be worrying. That's the yeah. thing as well. Yeah, like I presume, like it's probably going to be just mostly maps, and that just splits the player base. And like just going down that path is always pretty dodgy, to be honest. I know <clears throat> it is. Call of Duty have the same, like a similar pricing point, and I think Battlefield did as well, which is of course another EA game. But that actually was. Surprisingly enough, hell, or it was obviously that the launch Battlefield Float Four was a big cluster. It was, just, it was screwed up, but they supported it quite well. Surprisingly, up until even now, mm-hmm. with their see maps and stuff. But, see, see what's problematic about this particular season pass for me, and, and you could probably extend my argument to other games that have had this similar case where we hear about the pass a month before the game comes out, and it's a huge chunk of content that we're being promised. I can I can let it slide only if the the base game itself is enough of a value proposition to justify that full sixty dollars. Because when you advertise for four expansions, four entire packs on the horizon, within your development team, you already have that roadmap planned out. You already say, okay, here's two maps we're going to release in January, two in March, and more than likely those are already significantly built out, if not altogether yeah. finished. Mm-hmm. So then it's the conscious decision of okay we want this game to have an extended life cycle and I'm okay with that. It's a little dodgy when you're done with it this early, but I'm okay with games having a life cycle, but that's only okay if the development team truly feels that the game itself is worth $60, and to some people it will be, sure, but Mm -hmm. unless you can say that wholeheartedly for the majority of buyers, 
and that's and that's the question mark here. That's what we don't know about Battlefront. Yeah. That's the one thing that I, I keep going back to saying. The one thing I'm skeptical about after playing the beta. Yeah, it's like if you if you have a group of friends that you know are really interested in the game and you're all big Star Wars fans, it's like it's a no brainer that you're going to buy this game. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have that community and you're going to have a lot of fun. But it's not going to. It doesn't. Like I can't imagine it appealing to like the Counter Strike crowd or like replacing the Destiny crowd in terms of like a hardcore shooting community. Like it's it's just not what it is. It's more fan service than anything. It is very fan service. So it's it's I can't see it lasting that long in in the grand scheme of games or similar kind of style shooters that are out there. So it's. It's yeah. If you have that core group of friends, it's going to be great. But how long is that going to last for you? So it's, I don't know. And yeah, they need to detail more on those expansions and what they'll be. But they did get EA did give some details on some different game modes that they're <clears> going to have coming out. Uh, let's see. First one is cargo mode, and it's basically its own version of capture the flag. So you have 6v6 and you have to capture the other team's cargo drop and you bring it back to your base mm-hmm. but you don't have to have your cargo in your base in order to capture the other person's or other team's cargo okay so it's like kind of capture the flag but not really it's basically you just have to whoever can collect the other team's fastest kind of thing a tug of war yeah so you start <laughs> off with you bo- both teams start off with a with a score of five, so I'm guessing then it drops down as you go on. So and then the map match will be given to the team with the, oh no it goes up from that match will be given to the team with the highest score after 15 minutes. So, yeah, I don't know. It's that, that sounds it doesn't sound all that compelling to me. That's it doesn't thing. sound like Battlefront. And, and no. I, like, I, I can give it I can give the game a pass just in the terms of of gameplay elements, but that doesn't sound like Battlefront to me. Like that's a mode that clearly takes a lot of inspiration for very recent first-person shooters, but it doesn't really make as much sense in the context of the Star Wars lore as something like, I mean, maybe maybe even Drop Zone isn't a great example of that, but Conquest, like a traditional, uh, yeah. you know, defending the trenches while the AT-ATs advance, or just simply lowering player tickets, like all of those things can reasonably be argued or kind of uh, contextualized in the Star Wars universe, so yeah, for sure. they have to walk a fine line with that, too. Well, then- the next uh, feature feature that they're going to have that fits a little bit better, I think, in the Star Wars universe, but it's still it's very much a video game feature. It's a new mode called Hero Hunt, and basically this comes alongside <coughs> a, with a series of new playable characters, and this includes the Emperor. So you have like the heroes and the villains. So like Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker that we got to see, and it's a one versus seven match with one player starting out as the hero and the rest of the teams have to try to kill the hero and then whoever kills the hero becomes the hero and then you keep going as long as possible or try to survive as long as possible so it's I like that actually yeah so again yeah but and then you know so again that clearly takes inspiration from I think it's a halo game mode that's that's very, like it sounds strikingly familiar to me. Like yes. I couldn't remember what game that's from, but yes. I know I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Before. there's been variants of, of Juggernaut. I mean, Juggernaut is, is what I'm thinking of for me. Yeah, yeah. I believe. 
and that's you know far from the only game to have done something like that. So again, it's you know it's popular modes. Um, they're not compelling to me though, which again, and that and that's fine because there are people that it will be a, a value proposition to. But if that's kind of, uh, and I forget, did you say was that part of the base game or part of the expansions? This is base. Uh, this is the base. This is still game. base game. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's okay. Now I'm even slightly more worried than I was before because that's not <laughs> compelling to me. You know, I mean the levels. I feel like conquest type modes and historical recreation type modes, like the like what we did on Hoth, are going to be my cup of tea. So then it's about how good the levels are and how many levels there are. Yeah, it's not like they so far. It doesn't seem like they're really coming up with anything that's like iconic Star Wars feel, apart from mm-hmm. the, like the environment and the atmosphere, of course. Yeah, the graphics. really well, but it's like there's nothing that says like, okay, this is this this is part of the Star Wars universe. Or this is cool and unique to this game. Really? Mm-hmm. It's more just kinda like like well like these last two that we said, it's like they're they're the Star Wars take on established ideas and mechanics. Yeah. Um then the la- so then the final mode is called Droid Run. And this is a six V six game mode where you have the Rebel and the Empire going against each other for control of three droids. <laughs> and all three must be in your possession before you start earning points towards their capture. And this okay. mode also has no vehicles or hero drops. It's just rebels and stormtroopers. Sounds kind of like Destiny's Control. I don't know. It's not. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like it's so hard not... to not compare it to anything. Yeah, it's, it's like. Yeah. It, exactly what Kyle said. It doesn't feel very Star Wars. You kind of need those big bombastic maps with like yeah, the lowering of the tickets. And I just remember playing, you know, Battlefront One. We used to have one of the maps had like a bridge on it, and we just used to call it Battle of the Bridge because just the, both opposing forces would literally be mm-hmm. on the bridge for the yep. entire match, trying to just get into the middle of it or even get past that. And nothing kind of just screams that kind of epicness. Yeah, there was like even in the this. beta, there weren't any. Well, like, we only got to see. Well, really, two multiplayer maps. We got to see the Tatooine one as well, but mm-hmm. there weren't any of those choke points like you're talking about, mm. where it was just like the team, like all the action is here. Like, yeah, everybody was just running around, kind of like headless. Yeah, and players. it felt like like when you were a, a person, when you were just a soldier on the ground, you didn't really, f- I, for me anyway, it didn't really feel like you're contributing a lot other than yeah, you trying to get your them. own. You're trying to get your like a high KD ratio. Sure. And that was pretty much all your job was. Like, it's what it felt like. Yeah, like, yeah. So it was just kind of... I don't know. They, did, they didn't give a good... It didn't feel like I was being re- rewarded or was making any kind of real difference with what I was doing. So... I don't know. And then the, and the other thing, too, but for, like, the old games, nothing that... I haven't heard of anything about it yet. Maybe one of you guys have if they've said anything or not. But just having, like, the... Uh, heroes versus... Uh, anti-heroes kind of game modes because like in 2 that was what I like that was always so much fun where you're running around and you have one team that's all the iconic Star Wars heroes versus like all the Sith and the bounty hunters and that kind of stuff mm. so, I haven't like, heard anything of it personally it obviously makes a lot of sense having been in a predecessor and it does I'd imagine I don't know how many modes there are total I think we only know of about what five now maybe including these three so it's possible yeah six. Oh, six. sorry Cause the, well, yeah because there's the wave one on Tatooine oh yeah like the kind of yeah yeah like the so like that and that's as far as I know that's the only 
solo experience that's offered. Yeah, and point. and to, to to go back to your point about the hero, the hero mode, the hero warfare, like that that feels so much like a final DLC thing to me. Just in in this oh, day and age, sure. like that's like that last piece is is I feel like more often than not you really get the 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 final form of whatever their fan service is. Yeah. So and they'll so probably have like, it. They'll probably yeah, have they'll, that they'll, be like $35, so it's not quite as expensive as the season pass, but it makes you think, well, if I spend a little is, bit yeah. more, I get the season pass, and I get all this other stuff, and then mm-hmm. right. I could see them doing that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the big thing is if, if, we'll, if the game itself will have the legs to carry throughout all those expansion packs, and if it will retain its player base, because from playing the beta, it doesn't have that competitive spring yet that, like, say, Call of Duty would have or whatever else. It just seems... The, the, the entry level is quite low. Everybody's kind of just running around. It's pretty simplistic. I don't know if it will have the legs to carry it like beyond six months, seven. I don't know what the time frame for the expansion packs are, but yeah, they didn't. Say I'm not sure. Yet. Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out and who sticks with it, or how many people stick with it for a really long time. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's definitely worth checking out. Like for everybody, or if you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, like we said before, if you're really big into Star Wars and you have a group of friends that you know will be joining you to play, like by all means, jump yeah, into just it. Just wait for You'll the game of the year edition. Yeah. So, which that one? Yeah, they. Well, that was the other thing too. They had uh, two different editions announced, but they've only got one priced so far. So there's a. Deluxe edition that's going to be at seventy dollars, and then there's an ultimate edition that hasn't been priced yet. Anybody taking a guess at how much that will be priced at? I have no idea. But I mean, I if, really, and if I you add that, but if you go with that, so like what's to be offered? So they're having two other editions that includes different content. So mm-hmm. it's a new ultimate edition of Star Wars Battlefront. It's also announced, which includes all the content of the deluxe edition and the season pass. So that inc- the ultimate edition has the deluxe edition and season pass. Okay. So, if you bought, so like that, I didn't even see anything about what's in the deluxe edition and why that's worth it. Like I haven't heard anything about that either. Just that there's a deluxe edition. It's all just just so convoluted these days (laughs) regarding like games and editions and. So, but like if you wanted to buy the deluxe edition for seventy dollars and then you want the season pass for the extra stuff, then you're spending a hundred and twenty dollars. On essentially a shooter, but no single player. Yes, <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty hard to swallow. And you just think, like, I don't understand for that too. You think that like Dice would take note of games like Evolve and what's that other shooter that had a single Titanfall? player? Titanfall. Or it's just like they completely faded out of existence because it was like they didn't have a compelling reason for just people to either keep coming back or have a way to for them to play it by themselves in a really good way. Yeah, it was all pretty same. I know they're both kind of differing circumstances, you know, Star Wars hype, it is very real, but yeah, yeah I don't know if it will take, it'll be massive for a couple of months, but I am very interested to see what its legs are like, you know, over that six month period, eight month period. Mm-hmm. So here's what you get with a position. Okay. You get instant access to the Ion Grenade, the Ion Torpedo, and Han Solo's Blaster. 
Now, instant access, of course, meaning you can earn those things in game, and you just get it, you get it right away if you right. get the Dogs Edition. Mm-hmm. It's non exclusive. You also get two exclusive emotes: the Ion Shock and the Victory. So ten bucks, oh. you get everything. You get for ten bucks, you, you get, get two, two emotes. emotes. That's yeah, all. exactly. You get two emotes and a, a couple weapons earlier than other people. That's such crap. <laughs> oh my god. And the Destiny, Destiny emotes. Uh, no, I'm not surprised. I'm just disappointed <laughs> that they don't learn. Yeah. Well, oh. people are going to buy. Yeah, that's part of it. That's oh. anyway. Let's the move on from this now. I think I think we've talked enough about this and our disappointment. And... Yeah, the more we. T- yeah. What the hell? <laughs> we're so positive. When right. We I know. The game is fun. Like it's yes. re- what we got to play. It was really, really good, and it was it a lot was of fun. So. Beautiful. Wait and see for the season pass if it's worth it. Right now our feelings are kind of that it's not necessarily going to be. It scares us. Let's yeah, so like, see how the game goes, see what the community's like. If you want to buy the game, I'd say go for it. I probably will. Like, because it's, it's just a lot of fun. But I would mm-hmm. wait on buying the extra stuff once it's had a while to exist in the game world. Mm. And see where it goes. But anyway, I think we talked enough about that. <laughs> So let's go on to an interesting quote, which personally echoes my sentiments toward this, towards this topic, which is the idea of an Uncharted movie. And yeah. the main man behind the voice himself, Nolan North, was asked if he thought that an Uncharted movie was a good idea or something that fans wanted, and he had an interesting thing to say. And he said, quote, I think the emotional investment people have with Nathan Drake is so high that it would be very difficult for them to accept accept somebody else. Even me. My face is Nathan Drake. They might recognize the voice, but I don't even know if they'd accept me. End quote. <laughs> so what do you guys think about that? Um, got reaction. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's off base. I think um yeah, you know, it's tough. I, I think he's absolutely right that it would be difficult to accept another Nathan Drake. I don't know that that's a strong enough argument to say, all right, so we're not going to do the movie ever. Um, like, that's just sure. one hurdle that you'd have to overcome and, and, or, and find some way either through marketing or through the person you choose or through the format of the movie and the story it tells, you'd find some way around it. So it, it's yeah. definitely true, but it's also not the first time you know, fans of any property, even a book turned into a movie, have had to kind of deal with their their images or their interpretation being rewritten. Right. Well, he he's yeah. not a, he's not addressing the kind of the that the film would not be successful in the industry or do well. It was just mainly more addressed towards hardcore fans, basically. Yep. Like, like personally, I I really don't want to see an Uncharted movie because the games are so much movies in themselves, and I think they're such a great conduit for people outside of the game industry or outside of games themselves to really get interested in them and appreciate them for what they are so it's i think if somebody keeps hearing about uncharted 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 what is this about you say oh i'll show you like oh i'll play a little bit for you and you can see and then or if you want to try it sure and they jump in and even some people that i know have i've made them kind of appreciate games a lot more just by sitting and playing a segment of that like I even <laughs> there was one point I sat and played it for my old roommate a few years ago and he, he all he had was Xbox so he didn't have any PlayStation games and he wanted to see what Uncharted was about and that Uncharted 3 just came out then 
and I sat and I played through I started playing it and he was just so focused on that game <laughs> that like six hours I think went by that I just sat there and played it and he just was just transfixed on the screen see my uh my one my one counter to the to the to the entry to video game medium is that I can't think of a better advertisement for uncharted the game at least in terms of the mainstream public than an uncharted movie depending like on how they you, do like it if, if it's another sure. prince of persia then no that's the thing it's been in development hell for quite a while yeah I think and it's like it, was... it says on imdb has it listed at 2017 when it was first like rumored i think david o russell was like attached to it and then I think Seth Gordon was attached to it, and then they decided to take it into a different direction, and then that prompted him to leave. So I think it's got far more problems beyond the facts of hardcore gamers accepting, you know, somebody playing Nathan Drake, which mm-hmm. I agree with him in principle as well. I mean, like, Nathan, I know, like, Drake is an incredibly, like, charismatic character and has these great mannerisms and quips with Sully and stuff, and I don't think you could recreate that very faithfully at all in a, in a film. Obviously, people outside of that, just general film goers who just have a passing interest, there wouldn't be a problem for them. But I don't think I, I'm not really interested in, no. in a film coming. I don't want there to be a film. I like, even if they do it well, I can't imagine it being better than like a B movie, like a B action movie or something. Or it's just I like, think it'll just be a well, standard that was kind of good, and then everybody forgets about it. That's just kind of what I feel like. I honestly don't think it's going to have that big of an impact. I think it's just a waste of time at this point for them to even try to do this anymore unless yeah. they wanted to just like scrap the whole project come back to it in a year or two or after Uncharted 4 is out and just like scrap it and then just kind of see how that does and just go back into it and start fresh and not have all this baggage like you were saying Adam mm-hmm. like attached to it and just I, then then it might be a better shot but I don't know yeah I don't know what, what makes the games great and what's what makes the cinematic aspect of the games great I don't think could be translated into a film very well I don't think there's actors any actor I can think of straight off the bat that comp, like competently recreate Nathan Drake if you were going for a faithful thing and not just you know mm-hmm. a standard action film and if it is a standard action film it just it's kind of a kick in the kick in the teeth it's it kind of goes against everything that Uncharted really is you know yeah, I mean, it's going to be... The closest thing it's going to be is just, like... It's going to be in uh, Indiana Jones, basically. That's what people are going to see it as, I would imagine. Just like, yeah. Just kind of like a spin-off of Indiana Jones. Which is what the games essentially are, in a lot of ways. But they've established themselves beyond that in the game world, where movies, they'd have to redo that all over again. So. Yeah, just stick to Indiana Jones. You know, watch that, and Sean Connery can be silly, and... Harrison Ford can be Nathan Drake, and we'll leave it at that, I guess. Yeah. Harrison Ford can be Nathan Drake, huh? <laughs> we'll just pretend that the Ned Jones films, you know, were effectively. I think know. the most okay person I heard of to be Nathan Drake was Mark Wahlberg. I think that out oh. of people that I've heard, that was like the most okay. I've never heard anybody that was like really good. I mean, everyone always points to Nathan but... Fillion because it was Roland yeah. Firefly. Oh, that's true. Nathan Fillion would be really good. He actually kind of looks like him too, which is mm-hmm. more than most people. He's getting older though. And so is well. He would. He would have the humor. So is Drake. That's true. So is Drake. That's true. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, that's our rant, I think, on Uncharted. I think Nolan North echoed a lot of the thoughts that a lot of gamers share. The movie. The movie could be good, but at this point, I think we all kind of agree that it's not in the best place <laughs> yeah it's so. got as i said it's got way bigger problems than just you know hardcore fans accepting who would play nathan drake mm-hmm. 
Alright, well, let's go back in, well, actually continuing off of games, game movies, there was a new uh, news that, bleh, there was a new news article that came out saying that Resident Evil is planning on having a new CG movie, or it's one that's already in the works, and it's going to feature Leon and Chris. And I know that, Adam, you're a big Resident Evil fan, mm. so you, I'm sure, have a lot to say on the subject. Yeah, I'm... Leon and Chris were the two protagonists of Six, right? I know Leon was in Four, but... Yeah. Six or Six is, bounced between a few of them. Yes, Six has, like, I think three main campaigns and one additional campaign. It's a really long-winded, kind of convoluted story. It's it's not great. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually surprised, like... Capcom are really going full hilt with the, like with everything Resident Evil at the minute, and I know the Resident Evil films with like Miljovovic are incredibly successful. This is the surprise of people who you know like the franchise, the video game franchise. But I wasn't. I was actually quite surprised that they've went ahead with another CG movie. The last two, which are a couple of years old now, probably two, three years old, were pretty competent. They were good. Like I didn't think they'd extend beyond a dedicated fan base so in that respect I'm pretty surprised that they've come out with a new one but again it's probably just to ride on the hype of everything Resident Evil at the moment like Capcom yeah, where's that, so where that hype coming from though? <laughs> That's the thing uh, I don't know Like the response to the Resident Evil 1 remaster in January prompted a Resident Evil 2 remake and then there was always murmurs of Resident Evil 7 being announced soon because it's been three years and six. I personally thought the game must be in pre-production and I thought maybe got maybe would get a premature reveal at Tokyo Game Show. It didn't. Instead we got another third person shooter called Umbrella Core. So yeah, this and like the Resident Evil 2 remake is gonna be two years away, so there's there's like a lot to um to kind of talk about in terms of Resident Evil at the moment. Yeah, so really like, just... going back to your point about the or the past movies, so Resident Evil, like you said, they had two movies. Resident Evil Degeneration came out in 2008, and then Resident mm -hmm. Evil Damnation came out in 2012. <laughs> so those uh, those two also featured Is 3 going to be called Tarnation? Tarnation. <laughs> I wish. It could be. <laughs> uh, but it says that the, this uh, new one, is going to feature, like I said, the other two. So it's going to feature th three classic characters, which is uh, Chris Redfield, Leon S. Kennedy, and Rebecca Chambers. That's what it says. And it's like, apparently it's the first time that she's been in the franchise since Resident Evil Zero in 2002. Yes, to which so actually I, I neglected to mention is also having a HD remaster, which is out in January. Oh, so, so maybe it's a, it's a, this is a perfect lead-up to this then. Pretty much, like, yeah, everybody's always been clamoring for Rebecca to come back. And I'm looking at the concept art from the film, and it does, yeah, it does look a bit like the Spencer Mansion from the first one. But, yeah, I don't think there's any plot details at the minute. I think it's just literally an announcement. Yeah, it's just that's pretty much it. Mansion. But, yeah, in line with the first two films, I think it's going to be good. It'll be a serv serviceable, you know, interpretation of Resident Evil. Definitely more so than the actual live action films, which. As we all know, we're an abomination. <laughs> That's what um, I hear from a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't waste your time. <laughs> I think actually, I think the last one is coming out very soon, so kind of happy with that. But I think it's, yeah, I think the whole of the films have grossed over a billion worldwide in box office, which is just 
Ugh, it's not even <laughs> worth thinking about. But um, yeah, I'm interested with Resident Evil Seven though. I think they're gonna have to. The way they've been talking in the media, like little tidbits of quotes and stuff, it sounds like they. It's literally not even in pre-production yet. They're literally just you know roundtabling, you know, discussing, tossing out ideas. But it's going to be really interesting to see what route they take with that because you have Resident Evil One, the HD remaster, which sold over a million. It was or a million in a, I can't remember how long. It was a couple of, I think it was a couple of weeks, and it was the fastest selling PSN only game ever in the history of like PlayStation, huh. and obviously showed that the fans were appreciative of like an old style Resident Evil. And then in line with that, they've announced Resident Evil Zero HD remaster to jump on the back of that, and then the remake of Resident Evil Two, which we don't know if it's going to have that kind of Resident Evil Four over shoulder mechanic or if it's going to be the old Resident Evil style. But Resident Evil 7, it's weird because Resident Evil 6, I think, got a bit of a an easy ride with critics and whatever else. It was given 8s and 7s and stuff. I think it was a pretty terrible game. And, but the problem is it sold so well. So I think Capcom must be in this sort of conflict where they have a game in 6 that was critically panned to a degree after the fact. But it sold so well, and then they have all fans clamoring for this Resident Evil, you know, one remake and two remake and HD remaster of zero and stuff. So I think they're probably caught in two minds as to what direction to go in with this. And mm-hmm. unfortunately for me, I'm thinking they might just continue on the route of six, slightly more refined, but continue on that route and just say that the Resident Evil Two remake and the Resident Evil Zero HD remaster are kind of those are the the fan servicey old school experiences that you can have. But seven is this new, you know, this new experience. Sure. So then, just talking about the future games for them, there's also another story that came out that was about Resident Evil, saying that the series could eventually come to PlayStation 4 as a VR game mm. and be virtual reality. So, I mean, I guess makes what are your sense. immediate takeaways on that, guys? Just uh, hearing the headline, not even knowing anything about it. I mean, that. To me, that to me, it's a pipe dream, right? Like, did Capcom say that? Uh, yep. Yeah. So Capcom, okay. they hinted about it basically on games gamesindustry.biz. They hinted about right. it. See, I have a I have a different. Capcom is not known for throwing money around on inventive ideas. Sure. Like they just aren't Clearly, like, they're, like they're, the remasters. Obviously. Yeah, they're the king. So yeah, they're the king of the Turbo HD remixes and <laughs> and not and not spending. I mean, I mean, they they want to do a VR version of Resident Evil, but they won't fund another Mega Man game like a Mega Man Legends or a Mega Man. I'm convinced that's on route. I think Legacy Collection yeah. is testing the waters. Okay, <laughs> sure, but they're they're eternally testing the waters, right? Like you just yeah. you just kind of made my point. The Legacy Collection is the last Mega Man game they did. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, I mean, sure, eventually we'll get to the point where publishers are making VR games for a lot of their series, I would think. It does depend to some extent on how well Oculus sells, and I say Oculus specifically because it's the market leader and kind of, it's going to be the proof of concept, you know, even more so than Sony's Morpheus. Mm-hmm. It's how well Oculus takes off. It's going to open the doors to everybody else. Mm. So, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, we're 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 talking about things that are four, five, six years down the line, maybe. So, would I play it? Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, I think it was just a, a general, just off the cuff comment that shouldn't be taken with any real, 
you know, any real substance. I know they had the kitchen demo during during E3. Capcom did the VR demo, and that freaked a lot of people out. So mm-hmm. that could have been their little proof of concept before the fact. But I think most you know, third-party studios, are, you know, they're future-proofing. They're you know they're looking around, seeing what they project to be the future, and just seeing how they can fit into their franchises. I think you can say that for most big franchises. You know, I don't. I think you can. It can be said without being actually said. You know, I think for like the likes of Resident Evil and then you know other studios with other big franchises I think they're all exploring it yeah. you know because okay. if it does take off then you can you can bet your dollar that you know they'll be making games for it mm-hmm. so you guys actually set this quote up perfectly with your discussion so this is kind of a long one so sit tight for a minute but this is a, <laughs> this is the actual quote that they had talking about this issue it says quote at present we are focusing our energy on challenging the virtual reality game market in this terrifying world, you can twist and turn as you like, but there's no escaping the creatures and close, er, creatures closing in on you, until you remove your VR headset and then and return to reality. That is, we delivered this very experience with our kitchen VR technical demo at E3 2015. The response was excellent. Currently, we are building a new game development engine able to support VR, which is the hottest market right now, while simultaneously developing titles for current game consoles. We have just set sail on our latest voyage. Hmm. Yeah. So that it specifically addressed exactly yeah. what you guys were talking about. It yeah, and that is, well. I will, I will, I'll, I'll freely admit, that's that's more than I expected to hear from the likes of Capcom. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's, they, they did produce the VR demo, which is more than a lot of publishers can say, so I don't want to, mm. I don't want to be sit here and be too skeptical or cynical of what they're working on, but... I guess in, until until we see a true Resident Evil VR experience, uh, until then my position is kind of talk is cheap, and Capcom yeah. hasn't inspired the most confidence for me in recent years. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the best you can probably hope for is a kind of like a standalone experience to the mainline series. Like Resident Evil has always had that. They've had the Outbreak series, the Gun Survivor series, Dead Aim, all these other like side things. I imagine there could be. A weird, you know, first-person, six-hour-long experience. It's a standalone Resident Evil title that is exclusively VR. I think to throw it, and not just half-ass it, but like do it properly in like an absolute, like a mainline Resident Evil Eight or Seven. I think you're asking a bit too much at the moment. It really depends on how well it takes off. I can see mm-hmm. side games coming out, but not mainline unless the the proof is in the pudding and the sales are there and people have it in their hands. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, that's, I think, a good wrap-up for that discussion. So, yeah, it's, they definitely seem to be still, like, as you said, Kyle, they're still kind of testing the waters and seeing how things are going, but they had a good response. So, But, yeah, right now it's just they're, they're working on things. That's mm-hmm. all they're saying. So not a lot of substance, but it, I think that, could, that would definitely be a t- really cool avenue for them to explore if they can do it successfully. And, yeah, especially horror. It, unfortunately, we don't have Silent Hill anymore, but you know, I think Resident Evil has to take up that mantle. It, it, it's it'd be a crime not to have it, to be honest. Yeah. So speaking of horror, we've got nice some segue. new news on Until Dawn, mm. which is considered oh to be one of the biggest sleeper hits yeah. by Shuhei Yoshida himself, even saying that. Mm. A fun, t- a fun time, a fun time in 2015. Yeah. So it's sure. been a very heralded as a very unique experience in games that. It, just to kind of basically be be horror or be teen horror movie, but done 
in excellent game form is what I've heard. I personally haven't played it. I've seen a couple hours of it, but you guys have yeah, seen uh, slash played. Kyle, you've beat it. Yeah, I reviewed it. You reviewed it. Well, there you yes. go. So yeah, uh, played played it played through it a couple times, and um, I really liked it. Yeah. So the experience was very good, but apparently it wasn't as good as the folks at Supermassive thought it should be because they're releasing a 10 gigabyte update to their <laughs> game which that's just insane and the details that we have on that file like why it's 10 gigs is because it says it's designed to fix prevent progression blocker in episode 9 gives an option for inverted y-axis it's fixed trophies and stability and bug fixes, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, times we're in. So I like I clearly none of us are game developers or programmers, right? Right. But that's just sounds like whenever you hear something that's like five gigs or plus, that's I mean like ten gigs is like a quarter or a fifth of a present day game for most for the most part for like big blockbuster titles so that's like that's a significant chunk of space yeah there must be some reason for it but yeah without being a programmer or a developer I have no like, it's incredibly peculiar yeah but like games well, like uh, Bloodborne and like Far Cry are like 50 gigs so it's like yeah, if you so... think of the amount of time the amount of information you can pack into that amount of space like and just having four quick fixes, unless like the bug fixes, and I don't know. Well, like Kyle, you would be able to speak to that more often, more than either Adam or I. Like, were there? Did you notice a lot of stability and kind of bugginess when you no, played through the game? No, to, to, to be honest, I didn't. Um, so, so to some extent, the especially the progression blocker, I hadn't heard that that was a, a major issue where it was actually preventing people from finishing the storyline. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I think. It's to kind of to kind of circle back to your point, Will, about the size of patches and and how surprising it is. It it totally is surprising at first blush, and even in, even after thinking on it a bit, I'm I'm still kind of sitting here going, all right. Even even though we 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 kind of now know because there's been a few stories related to this this year that a lot of times when when you're patching a game, the size of the patch is a considerable chunk, but that's because it's overwriting stuff that's our yeah. so there might yeah. so there might be enough things attached to the menu that they're fixing and there might be enough things contained within that progression blocking moment that they're it's like slapping a band-aid on versus putting a brick on top of if that makes any sense yeah. so I, so I can kind of so like you said well, we're yeah it'd be like yeah like to them uh, yeah, we can't speak to the mechanics of it or removing a brick and putting a better one in yeah, yeah like, it's kind of like whack-a-mole I think once you you know, hit something down, hit a problem down, something else pops up. So right, it's like if you, if you have continuous, con, like if you have continual problems with a knee, instead of just getting a shot for the knee, you're replacing the knee to sure. fix the whole yep. problem. It's like exactly, and yeah. the knee might be ten gigabytes of your body. Yeah. Um, there you go. So so what I think what I think is maybe a good it, so I feel like every time this story comes up, we ask these questions and we kind of go back and forth and say. Oh, this seems so big, but maybe there's this reason. But still, this is a, a consumer unfriendly thing. I think more now more than ever, it's it's important for 
developers to start openly communicating to the public who is discerning and skeptical about these kind of things why it's that size. Sure. And not just in terms of here's detailed patch notes. I mean like going on Twitter or going on your company blog and saying, yeah, you know, we're not going to dive into the, 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 the ones and zeros of it, but here's a more technical explanation of why it's the size. And even if that only happens once or twice in the industry every year, you know, sure. one or two developers who kind of take the extra time to walk their fans through it, that's just education. Like that's an opportunity to kind of open the doors a little bit, let people in, show them, you know, what it's like behind the scenes for just a sec, and also kind of help move um, gamers' intelligence forward or gamers' acumen forward. Yeah. Well, that's you know, because otherwise we're kind of in this, this, this quagmire where we're going to constantly ask, why is that patch that big? And I feel like we can't move past that until somebody explains to us, well, this is why. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And right. I think it's a good point, too, that I was just kind of thinking of is that 10 gigabytes is not it's to, it is a large amount of data that you can put a lot into but it's really not that impressive anymore in terms of size compared That's to true. when yeah. original like the original PS3 was a 60 gigabyte hard drive <laughs> that would have taken up a sixth of the space so that's i mean that's yeah. i think maybe for people like us yes. who are long time gamers where that PS3 wasn't that long ago obviously and stills around but when systems, when it first went into kind of the online era and those systems came out with hard drives, the first ones were only 50 gigs pretty much. And now they're hitting the 500 gig mark. Yeah. So it's like it's 10 gigs then versus now. It's like part of that, I think, would maybe just be stuck in that mind, old mindset. Sure. So, but that's just kind of, it's, it's still kind of shocking to hear that, though. Yeah, it's just still like, an awful amount. It's still a lot for. So, but I mean, it, it, it's what I think. What's more surprising is that kind of like what you said too, Kyle, is that it was that it ran well for you, and it's just like to have something that's that significant of a patch for a game that kind of universally was well received, and I didn't hear any chatter about it being really buggy or right being that kind of broken. Which mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't following it that closely, admittedly, but. It's just it seems like it just kind of came out of nowhere. So, but then again, got to give credit to Supermassive Games for just keeping an eye on the situation. Clearly, yeah, to be you know, that they, they heard feedback on their forums or wherever it was and responded in kind. So, kudos for them because the game hasn't been out for uh, for that long. Uh, came out in August, late August. So, mm-hmm. you know, still keeping an eye on it a couple months later. So that's good to see. Yeah, I'd say if, if anything, what this boils down to is them just being really progressive as a company on their products and they're like you said they're paying attention to it and they want to make sure it runs as smooth as possible so i think it's a good sign but they also they're not just focused on until dawn right now they're also focused on sequels potential sequels for the game and they were talking about saying the different ideas that they've been throwing around and one of the things, let's see, they said, hold on, I'm going to have to try to redo this. I'll cut that out a little bit. Uh, 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 okay. So they have ideas about what Until Dawn 2 could be, and this is what, God damn it, I keep missing my place. Samuels, it's Pete, Pete Samuels. It's good old Pete. There we go, okay. <laughs> so they have ideas about what Until Dawn 2 could be, and... Pete Samuels, who's the executive producer of Until Dawn, 
had an interview with PlayStation Lifestyle, and he talked a bit about what they think the next game could be like. And he said, quote, We do talk internally about what Until Dawn 2 could be, as it clearly can't be a sequel in the traditional sense, with the same <laughs> characters facing the same threat, not least of which because in different stories, some or all of them are already dead. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yep. So we we've investigated other ways we could go or we could do until dawn two, but it probably is a little early to be discussing that. It's a weird way of um. It's a weird. It's a weird way of saying we might do a sequel, and if we did, it would be new characters. Right. Right. That's really all you're yeah. saying is that it'd be a different story with different people. Maybe not quite so much teen horror. Might yep. be a different element. So. Mm. We're thinking of ways. We're honest. thinking of ways we could do this. What do you mean? Yeah. There's only one way to do it. Like, <laughs> well, first of all, I think it's commendable that you know they're even in a position to disclose a sequel. You know, oh, sure. yeah. they did not market it. Or, well, Sony themselves did not market it as well as they could have, and I think are still not, given the fact that Halloween is two weeks away. And you know, everybody likes to play like, a scary video game or like a good you know horror s game. Yeah. I think they could mm-hmm. be marketing it really heavily right now, but you know, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, even like they could have. Honestly, found their niche and you know could churn these out every two years around Halloween. You know these new Final Destination esque stories, and if you know if they're developed well and people enjoy them, then it could be like a very solid, solid platform to build upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's said he uh, Samuel's also had another quote, kind of following that. So saying like that, obviously they're still talking about or they're thinking about what they what an Until Dawn two could potentially look like and they haven't they like he said they didn't come up with any concrete things but he also kind of said that it's not necessarily going to be what they do next is a sequel to the game and he said uh quote i think that you should expect the team to build on what we've done with until dawn whether it's in horror or in other genres we're already working on one thing that does that wait what let me restart we're already working on one thing that does that Whilst exploring other avenues for our other teams in anticipation of them finishing their current projects, so and I'm interested a, by that because yeah. this is effectively their maiden, you know, really fully fledged title. I know they did Kills on HD and yeah. To be Twitter honest, I didn't small. realize they had enough people to be working on side projects. Yeah, I didn't either. Mm. Unless so, unless there is some story extensions for Until Dawn, maybe that's what he's referring to—some DLC or something. Yeah, maybe. Perhaps, yeah. <clears throat> so, but it's it's it'd be interesting to see. Like, also saying that they're just they're as a, the conscious of the company, just not being focused solely in on like, all right, we did this really well and people liked it, so we're gonna keep doing horror. He's yeah, got, they've got the like... everything is completely open, and they say like they can. That's I, oh, I would love to see what they would do with building off of what they've learned from making Until Dawn and translating that into other types of genres would be really interesting to see. So, mm-hmm. Like, they've hit yeah. the ground, like, running. Like, it won PS4 title, and, like, it's already that polished and that well-received. You know, it, it's it's definitely a great platform to go off on, or off of, and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I'd, I'd prefer if they did something new, I guess. You know, it, it's kind of easy to rest in your laurels and, you know, build upon... And read or like iterate on a proven concept like Until Dawn and this kind yeah. of horror slasher thing. But it's nice to see that they have the ambition, even though they've only you know released their first PS4 game only two months ago, that they're like already you know thinking in new ways and trying to build upon that and like explore different avenues. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be nice to see studios start kind of going back to older times where they were committed. They just put out a standalone game and then they moved on to their next thing. Mm, like I, yeah. I like. 
there are there are a lot of studios that do really well with uh, creating a series, but I think it's become basically habitual for so many places that it's it's stifling a lot of creativity and no, progress in the yeah. industry. So it's like, I really like that they're not focused on making just Until Dawn two. Mm. So it's just I think that's a cool. I think it's just a great sign for just kind of a, especially for a newer well not necessarily new but for a rising company in the game industry kind of conscious. So it's I think it'd be cool to see what happens. But. Mm, that's nice. Oh, uh, speaking of a game that comes out habitually, uh, <coughs> Call of Duty is our going to be our next topic of discussion, specifically Black Ops Three, and they've got a new report about how they're approaching story which they said a while ago that for Call of Duty Black Ops 3 on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 it will not have a single player campaign and will only be selling virtually the multiplayer of the game so it's but there's I I can't remember if they said if they're doing $60 price tags no it's like I think it's $50 that's so still that effectively they effectively valued their campaign at ten dollars. Yeah, which that wow. Which yeah, might explain it, why they did what they did in this next story or in mm. our next topic. So, <laughs> Adam, you're more educated on this than I am, so I'll let you talk about this first. Yeah, for, well, pretty much Treyarch has said that you will have the choice from the get-go of the campaign to go and start any mission you wish. You don't have to start from the first mission and go straight to like the culmination of the narrative. You can just on to mission 8 or 9 or 10 whichever way you see fit and a lot of people from the get go decried this saying you know you shouldn't do that you, know, you start from the beginning you know you're building like a story you can't just drop in and out but when you reflect on that a bit more I don't know if you guys feel the same but I think more choice is, it's better for people and better for gamers and if you don't want to skip around and just do the traditional A to B story then you can It's not, nothing's going to stop you and I'd be in that boat. I, I, you know, I wouldn't be skipping ahead and stuff. It's just, it's nice to have an option there for people. Yeah. Or... Yeah, I think it just needs to be tastefully implemented in a way that benefits both parties. Because there's going to be, like you and I, Adam, and I feel like a lot of people who have heard the story are in the same boat. Like we want the integrity of the campaign matters, right? And we yeah. don't want to feel like we're playing it the wrong way by just playing it from the beginning, like we're used to. So, I think it, you know, it's got to be tasteful. It's got to be one of those things where you can't see glimpses of the next chapters like all the yeah. same menu or like the chapter names all on a list so I'm not sure exactly what that looks like their elegant solution but that's definitely important yeah as long as it doesn't impinge on the on the narrative itself then I don't have a problem with it I don't want missions to be deliberately segmented and stuff so the entry level for people jumping in at mission 6 who haven't played the first 5 you know have a better course to go into I you know if mission 6 ends up you know something really bombastic start at the beginning that's like central to the narrative, you know, it's your own fault for starting Mission 6. It shouldn't impinge on integrity of the narrative for people who are starting from the beginning. I don't want it to feel segmented, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's just certainly an interesting kind of thing. So it's like if they did this, they could have like a list. Well, that, yeah, it's just a weird thing to think of how they're going to approach it, but if they did have like a list of all the different chapters or the levels or whatever and they just had the num numbered and it was once you completed them they revealed the n more specific name for it so that mm. you know how to go back to it or whatever I think that would be interesting but it's just I can't I can't see a way of not 
revealing something. Well, I, I think you could do it if uh, if you had one, if you had like the chapter card, like if you had a tile representing the chapter with like an image and a tap, excuse me, a title name. Have that more or less fill the screen, you know, with left sure. and right arrows, kind of allowing you to go, you know, left or right, cycle through them. But then at least mm -hmm. you start on the first one, so you can kind of keep your attention focused there. Yeah. Well, mm. and also, if anybody, I think it's, I think it's really not going to be that big of an issue because anybody who's going to anybody who's going to skip any chapters because they want to get to a certain part just doesn't have a right to get upset about something getting spoiled for them so <laughs> that's true yeah, that's it's like <laughs> if you if you're worried about the game being spoiled you're going to start from the beginning and you're just going to play through it sequentially and kind of like in old-fashioned way so it's like i don't and it's it's interesting too because i feel like a treyarch does kind of undervalue the people that do buy those games for their story specifically Versus their multiplayer. That's obviously not the majority of people. People are majority want that hardcore multiplayer, and that's pretty much mostly what they care about. But they yeah, do have is, a strong audience of just people yeah. who love their franchise story, and they follow it and they play them every year. So it's an that's interesting why I decision. Think that's why I think it's so curious about the future for Call of Duty, and if a lot of you know, pundits and people would think that it's going to just become a platform, which is iterated upon every year rather than like a six like a new mainstay sixty dollar title every year. Mm -hmm. And but then you know that would if it's a platform it seems to be primarily just multiplayer centric then which would like you know forego any semblance of a single player campaign. So I think they this is really testing times for the series and I'm not really sure I think they're still testing the waters to see what's the best avenue to explore going forward. Yeah. Because although it sells mass of, you know, sales aren't as feverish as they once were, you know, back Black Ops 2 even, Black mm -hmm. Ops 1 Modern Warfare 2, 3 obviously was a bit of a lull but I think I'm very curious like I'm not too interested in, in the games themselves but I'm interested to see how Activision continues the franchise going forward Yeah, and even when they had the, when they had a multiplayer beta, of, was it last month? Mm. I think it, they had something going on and I just kind of, just general thoughts that I heard from people who got to play it it was just kind of like yeah that's fun yeah and i think it was the consensus kind of it pretty pretty similar to advanced warfare and its jumping mechanics but the maps didn't seem to be as well realized for that mechanic yeah so i think it was you know it was fine it was serviceable i i think a lot of people who i talked to about it just seemed to be on the whole concept now mm -hmm. when you have platforms coming like like destiny building upon itself and other franchises, first-person shooters. I don't know if it's, if Call of Duty's importance is is going to stay at that top level, you know? I think it's going to dwindle. When, though, is the point, but I think it's pretty clear that it will. I think they should follow the trend of other games or other developers like Ubisoft with Far Cry Primal, and they should release like a World War One shooter or something. Oh, well, everybody's game. dying for that. <laughs> <laughs> Just go yeah, like it's weird because it was the same even with PS2 and PS3. It was stop making you know World War II shooters, and then pretty much every in the future now, everybody's just you know really wanting to go back to that period. Yeah, because myself I mean, included, to be honest. Yeah, I think it'd be really well received. Actually, it'd be way harder than people would want <clears throat> from a Call of Duty <laughs> mm. when they jump, just because of the nature of that the weaponry yeah. of the time. But mm. I think it would be really cool kind of turnaround for the 
yeah, franchise. Yeah, talk about talk about like an opportunity for a really compare like compelling single player story, you know? Yeah, I'm kidding. And what plus, exactly would they do that though? That's it would just become terrifying, like the multiplayer. It wouldn't be so much as just like fast action, constant moving. It would just be like old, guns jamming, hardcore and trench warfare, just like yeah, you'd just be terrified out of your mind. That would be a good VR game. Oh god, jeez! Oh, <laughs> Don't think we need to relive those times. Probably not. Yeah. That's... All right. So last week we talked about a essentially non-news story on. Kingdom Hearts, and we kind of went off on a little bit of a rant of Tetsuya Nomura, uh, kind of basically settling on the fact that we it's pretty much a love-hate relationship with the guy, that we like what he does, we wish he did it in a different way. <laughs> yeah, just, just uh, talk about the game less. <laughs> so he kind of did the same type of thing that we griped about and he announced that there will be new info for Kingdom Hearts 3 coming next month. <laughs> so he the didn't reveal of the reveal. So, so he didn't give us any information. He just gave us information about potential information. And last and last week it was the potential playable protagonists. Yeah. So but he said so... all they did was think about the possibility maybe. I'm pretty sure it was the <laughs> quote. So this is just more of <laughs> The Square Enix hype train doing. <sighs> mhm. And adm admittedly, we're we're adding to the Square Enix hype train, but we're kind of trying to derail you it do, a little but... bit. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> only we're only adding to it so that we're on it long enough to plant some dynamite. And no, it's just it's 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 the thing of like, yeah, that's great. More info is coming next month, but then why are you talking about? These little things like the playable. Oh yeah, we might have a third playable protagonist. Oh yeah, did you know we're working on new worlds? Oh well, no shit, you're making the game. So <laughs> I, I like seeing chunks of new information. Don't get me wrong, I'm stoked for Kingdom Hearts three. But yeah, and this goes for FF fifteen as well. Like step out of the spotlight to, to work on the game versus keeping it in the news with with no news, like you said. Or just don't announce your games five years ahead of time. <laughs> Right, and then continually yeah. say, "Oh, we don't have new updates." But he was—he specifically was referring to for Kingdom Hearts news. He was specifically referring to uh, D23 Expo in Japan next month, and saying that that would be the arena where the new news comes out. So, at an expo, we could—it could potentially be fairly big. Not oh, just, I think it will be. Yeah. So definitely, it's, I think. It, yeah, I mean, it could be really cool, but he's also talking about, right, like with Final Fantasy XV, that's been confirmed for next year, yeah. officially. Now we'll see if that sticks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, right. So he yeah, just, yeah, yeah he needs to just kind of stick, he needs to just like that, uh, focus yeah, on one thing at a time yeah. and just keep keep with it. Hey, and I don't want to. I don't want to pick on Nomura too much because it's not just him. It's more like a company no. philosophy of of dropping these little these little whispers of of, right. of, of sweet nothings every now and then. He's just when a really, poor yeah. Messenger. When it's like yeah, we don't we don't as as a fan looking forward to the game. I don't need to hear that you're going to say something about the game next month. It's kind of like a trailer announcing a trailer like it's the word version of that mm -hmm, <laughs> it's the spoken yeah. version of that yeah uh, it's like we know we know we know you're going to have more to say and we know it's probably going to be timed with D23 with other Disney or or Square Enix events like it has been this year so we'll look forward to those moments and you know give us a chance to 
give us a chance to enjoy not hearing about it. You know, let, like use the silence to let us build our own hype and let mm-hmm. us get excited for, for these meaty releases of information because because the, the sweet nothings are only a problem in so much as they're deflating. They really are. You get you, you click on a Kingdom Hearts news story and it's nothing important. So you get this 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 quick sense of energy, this quick hype that really just gets a right. pin put in it. So. And a lot of it I think is just to blame on <laughs> media outlets too. Or just like these com- people that are constantly badgering him for interviews. Sure. Because sure. that's what the last time was a different interview, this time it was another interview and he basically is just getting berated with questions that just like when can we find out more? And he's just, I'm, he's probably getting tired of it by now and just giving probably. them some, just trying to answer something just to let them leave him alone about it. Mm. So it's like, but he, he, I think he, like, he, obviously he's not running the entire game. Like, he's not making it himself, like no, he said. Of course. But it's, he should just stop taking these interviews if there's nothing to talk about. So that we don't keep getting, like you were saying, like these stories that just don't have anything in them. Mm-hmm. So I think it would have been way more, yeah, very like what you said, it would have been way more impactful if he nothing had been said about like these in this last couple months. If we didn't hear anything about Kingdom Hearts three, and then all of a sudden at the expo, this like new gameplay trailer or something came out, and we're just like whoa, and then we're disappointed at the end of the trailer because it says twenty sixteen. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but I mean that's that's acceptable disappointment <laughs> compared to because it's like oh we actually really want to play this game because it looks awesome. Yeah, frankly, I'm not convinced it is coming out next year, so 2016 no. would be a pleasant surprise. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll see about that. But so that was our weekly update on Kingdom Hearts three. <laughs> More next week. <laughs> yep. Hopefully, probably not. Hopefully, he just doesn't say anything until the expo. But, a little bit against it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway, so we're going to close off the podcast like we did last week, and we're going to continue doing this and let you know about the games that you can look forward to on the week of the podcast release. <clears throat> so we're going to start with, on October 20th, we've got a new Adventure Time Finn and Jake Investigations game on PS4 and PS3. I don't watch the show, so I don't. Yeah, me <laughs> either. Nor do I. <laughs> okay, I didn't think you guys did, but yeah. So no, it, it, I, I saw one, I saw one episode on like a half drunk night when I was eating too much pizza at a friend's house. So that's really all I have. To... <laughs> you think it would be good, from what I've seen? You'd think that would be the perfect environment to enjoy it, but and uh, and, and to play the game. Yeah, right, right. But so, uh, but no, yeah, it's no. it's based off of a Cartoon Network Cartoon Network show, and it's. It's a puzzle game, and a kind of a bad guy beat em up, and just kind of adventure style in a 3D world, and you get to explore, fight things, solve puzzles, and interact with different characters. So, All it sounds like a kind of a classic, like PS2 platformer sure. type of game. So it'll be interesting to see if they can actually successfully make that. Usually, when anything's made off of an existing property of a different media doesn't turn out so well mm. but we'll see um, next game is one that I know a lot of people are excited for and a lot of people are just kind of tired of <laughs> and that is Guitar Hero Live hmm. that's going to be coming out in November oh, that, that or kinda October snuck, that kind of snuck up on us a little bit Yeah, I mean I know it's been, 
been made, been making headlines. I know Ernest is in the process of reviewing it right now. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's an interesting one for me. I'm not personally excited for it, but I do. Uh, from from what I've seen and heard from folks, they do seem to be doing enough new things where it's like if you enjoyed the the if you enjoyed the aesthetic of Guitar Hero in the past, like the feeling of playing that music and of, and of rocking out, I think there's, it looks to be enough new ideas and a new focus to kind of rekindle the spirit a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah it seems to be in stark contrast to Rock Band 4, which just seems to be more, more of the same. the same, pretty much. With yeah, it. Yeah. It was like more, of, more of the same with less to offer. Kind of <laughs> what I heard. Thing, is, yeah. Yep, yep. At, and at a higher price. Yeah. Mm. So, but yeah, this one is uh, coming out October 20th in North America and the 23rd in Europe. It's on PS4 and PS3 and it's getting some so some of the new kind of features of it they're getting in there's a new c- guitar controller so add another peripheral to your already massive collection at this point. Uh there's they're doing realistic crowd scenes which could be interesting to actually see like the new systems actually take adva- they have them take advantage of that kind of hardware and create a like an actual st- audience. I just don't know how I feel about that. It's just like social anxiety, the simulator. <laughs> yeah, just... it'd be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll have a screenshot up so you guys can in the video of this that so you can see what it looks like. But um, there's a brand new track list, and it includes Green Day, Soundgarden, and Rage Against the Machine. So some Sounds classic, iconic yeah. groups to be in it. So I mean, it sounds like they're in the right direction. Uh, okay, so next one is another music-themed game, and that's Just Dance 2016, coming out on PS4, PS3, and on October 20th in North America, and October 22nd in Europe. So I've seen slash experienced one or two of those games, like, years ago in college, mm. <laughs> random events, or a couple of years ago, like in sophomore year, I can't remember. So I don't know what you guys feel about those games. Or... I'm a man for my SingStar, but as, as far as Just Dance goes, I, I mean, they sell really well. So Yeah, yeah. wildly popular. It's, yeah, it's to be expected, but it wouldn't be my cup of tea, nor have I actually played it. So I guess I can't say if it's not my cup of tea. I'll have to try it. Yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the yeah. same boat. It's not my genre. Yeah, all right. But the, one of the, I guess the notable feature in this one is that there's a ability to lip sync over music videos and record them. Oh, that sounds okay. kind of interesting way to to do it. Let me see what people come up with out of that. But yeah, that is pretty interesting. Actually. Yeah. So next game is Life is Strange Episode Five Polarized, coming to Finally. PS4, PS3, and North America and Europe on October twentieth. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been a couple a uh, couple months since Episode Four. I feel like, or at least a long enough time where I where I started playing the series again to refresh my memory and hopefully catch up through four and then i got derailed and i'm like oh crap it's gonna mm-hmm. episode five is gonna come out and i won't be ready for it but then it still was like a month later and it hadn't yeah. come out yet yeah but, our uh, review for that went up on august 1st so it's it's been a yeah, little bit of time for episode four yeah yep. so first episode yeah of um, which you know more power to them if that results in a game that really ends the series on a strong note and is just a nice technically polished production i think that's I think that's great definitely the okay. best way to to handle that but so yeah, can, I, I need to I need to play through the previous episodes first. I've only played through one and half of two, so. So can you mm-hmm. just kind of give like a quick snippet of like what the premise of the game is? 
Uh, yeah, certainly. So, so it's it, it's it's narrative driven in the vein of a Telltale game. So you've got a you've got a branching story. Um, you play as a girl named Max at a at a private art academy uh, in uh, I don't know if it's a fictional town or what. It's 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 set in it's set in Oregon, uh, kind mm-hmm. of the coastal kind of Portland yeah, Oregon our, type of towns. Arcadia um, Bay, I think. Arcadia Bay, yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, and, and and Max very early on discovers that she suddenly gains the ability to rewind time, and so she kind of uses that uh, as she navigates this tumultuous high school world. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm writing the back box <laughs> for this game right now. <laughs> this You're doing a great job. Yeah. yeah, well thank you. Um she uses her, her powers of rewinding time to, you know, handle relationships between her and her friends, to kind of deal with conflicts in around the school. And as the story goes along, which I'm now starting to get past the point where I've played, some supernatural things start happening both with the town and with Max, and it's mm-hmm. all about kind of Figuring that out, so cool. any 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 more is going to kind of get into territory that I don't even know, frankly, and it's also spoilery. So yeah, no, it sounds it it's strong. Yeah, it sounds really it's, good. And it yeah, was, it's, mechan- it's mechanically strong and it controls well. Um, and what's great about the time rewind mechanic is that unlike a Telltale game, if you don't like your choice, and you can usually tell very soon whether the choice is something that you like or not, you can actually just rewind time and make a different choice. Huh. Um, and kind of play around with that and do it as much as you like to kind of look at the immediate outcome and see which one you like more. So it's definitely a different take on the storytelling. Yeah, interesting. Well, it's been getting pretty highly positive reviews from us, too. So mm-hmm. sounds like a really interesting game. I need to check that out. Um, so then the last game that's coming out this week is Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Which I actually got to play that at E3, and it was a lot of fun. Although I had also been away from the series for a while, so I don't know what that says. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's coming to PS4, or this is this one's being on that we're talking about for PS4, and it's going to be in North America and Europe on October 23rd. So this is the one that's set in Victorian London, and you can play as the brother or the sister, depending on the different set up or what's going on. I can't remember if you can freely switch between them or if it just I think I, yeah, I think it's events. I think it's yeah, I think it's event based. I think it's story based. Okay. Um yep. Well, I, I you know, and I don't have a whole lot of insight to grant here because I kind of checked it out of Assassin's Creed background 3 or or 4 actually. I I played a lot of 4. I actually really liked Black Flag, but um mm-hmm. past that my interest just trailed off, you know. I actually I didn't love Black Flag enough to finish it with all the other games coming out around the time, so that should say something. Sure. But, mm. um, yeah, you know, it's one of those things that calls for, to mind for me a, a couple years ago when Ubisoft said, we don't think of Assassin's Creed as an annualized franchise. We're, you know, we, we, we do it every year, <laughs> we but that's budget not... It as that's one. not yeah, that's not <laughs> an intent... It's, it's not like it's planned that way. We just have enough creative ideas that it just ends up that way. Um, so that's that's a thing. That's yeah, a thing. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's a thing that was said. But but frankly, it's 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 franchise um, nauseum at this point for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't even get into. I it mean, not enough. Like it, it, the 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 core mechanics weren't enough to hook me in the in the in the early entries, and they haven't changed enough where it's like, oh well, now is when I'm going to go back to mm-hmm. it. 
It's like I know what they are, and I know that it's usually not enough to grip me for the entire game. So, yeah, I don't know. This one seemed it was a lot of it was really smooth when I played it, and it had a lot of features that allowed it to it allowed you to travel through the environment at a lot faster and more timely pace, or just more efficiently mm. going through. Like there was a there was a grapple Grappling hook that was yep that was introduced into this. So basically, it's like. Uh, the Batman games where you just know you can aim at the top of a rooftop you can shoot it and it'll pull you straight up and then you're on top of the building instead of having to scale the whole way and you can also fire it across large streets and you can just kind of zip line yourself down through those areas so they have a lot of the mechanics that they keep they keep addressing and improving the kind of scaling and the travel traveling through the environment so that, mm. that was good and then I mean, this I like. I really enjoy the setting of it, but yeah, I don't know if it's, yeah. it's. I don't know if there is enough there for me to really just feel like this is my time to really jump back in. And so. let's see if it's actually even ready at launch. Yeah. I don't think Ubisoft can afford another, you know, massively publicized failure of a launch just like <laughs> last year. Yeah. I'm so actually surprised they're, they've. It's penciled in. I didn't see the. I saw the build of them at E3, but I didn't get to play it. I'm just. From a, from just a, a bypasser standpoint, I'm just surprised that it's even releasing in October. I thought they, yeah, well, I, maybe, maybe it will be bug free, but I wouldn't count on it because we didn't know anything about it before then, did we? No, we did not. I think did it we was know a little bit. I just just going off the trailer. I don't remember, starting to remember when that was. Anyways. Yeah, no, we we did know about it going in, but even even still, it's still very soon after. It is very soon, so we'll see if they've learned their lessons, but. I wouldn't bet. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So those are the, all the games that are going to be coming out this week, and we encourage you to check them out and let us know what you think of them. Thank you to Kyle and Adam for joining me this week and talking about the games that we love. So very not much a, love. Not at all, man. I had a good time. <laughs> yeah, anytime. Yeah. So uh, we're going to have a lot more of these coming your way in the future, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. We'll take care. Bye. See ya.